Welcome back to another episode. We're super happy to be with you guys. And today we've got a really relevant topic and it's super important because like as we talked about, the market has picked up. Spring has sprung in Denver. And so now it's like, okay, buyers are like, okay, now what? You know, in the past six months, I haven't had to compete with other offers. I haven't had to make decisions quickly. And now it's like, okay, well, now that this is happening again, what can I do to make my offer competitive? And as a seller, what should I be looking out for? What's, what's important? So um, we just want to talk to you guys a little bit about that today. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely quite a few, actually a lot of options that you know, we have as buyers. And then, you know, like you said, as a seller to look out for, but you kind of, you know, as we work through the contract, there are quite a few deadlines that obviously people think that they can utilize, but more importantly, we want to kind of jump in hard with the earnest money, like off the bat, even though it doesn't affect a seller's net, being able to show that, you know, we're going to not only put in the earnest money, whether that's what the MLS shows or even more, we're going to make it go hard. So what that means is, you know, in multiple contract deadlines, a buyer has the right in Colorado to terminate the contract for inspection, appraisal, property insurance, HOA. So lots of opportunities. But when you terminate as a buyer, you get the opportunity to get your earnest money back. By making it go hard, you're saying, I am all in. Not only am I all in, but I'm willing to risk all of my earnest money if I terminate. So to a seller, that shows that not only are you showing your good faith, but you're kind of like putting all your skin in the game first thing as a seller to look out for and as a buyer to make your your offer more competitive. Um, But the next kind of money portion of it is an appraisal gap. So we've talked about it in our previous podcast, but um, an appraisal gap is just saying if for any reason the property doesn't appraise for the purchase price, let's say it's 740 and it comes in any less than that, the client, our buyer, has the opportunity to say up to X amount. So let's say 5,000. They will bring in additional cash to close that gap. Now, if it's less than five grand, awesome. Then it'll be the 2000 or whatever that that under value is. Um, But if it's over that amount, then the seller either has to come down to that amount or terminate, obviously, or cover the other half. So by offering that appraisal gap is going to set your offer apart because it's giving you the opportunity to say, look, somebody else might not have extra cash. I do. Here's what I'm willing to do. Now, there's always... In real estate, there's always negotiation. Even if it's set in stone in a contract, we can still adjust that. We can change it. You can terminate on it. But it does help the seller to see like, okay, not only you know are they doing hard earnest money, but they're also willing to come up with extra cash. So that's huge. And a part to that appraisal gap is an escalation clause. And escalation clauses can be taken different ways. But as a seller, um, seeing that a buyer is willing to kind of offer more money. So kind of like what I call a sunset clause to say, hey, if you accept this offer by 7 p.m., I'm going to offer you an additional $10,000 to take it off the market. Um, We also have escalation clauses where it'll say, you know, if another offer comes in that is above mind X amount of money, I'm willing to come in a dollar over that to win it. I'm I'm willing to come over $500, whatever that looks like. So it's an escalation that'll take everybody's offer in a multiple offer situation and set yours apart. Um, so that as a buyer, you have that empowering kind of statement saying, I'm willing to do that as a seller. That's what as a realtor, we would tell you, let's kind of prioritize who's willing to do what to get you the most net out of your home on top of kind of taking away the least amount of risk. Yeah. And I think it's important too, like when you're talking about the escalation clause, you know, with your, with your buyer clients, it's like, okay, so you need to know 
one, what you're pre-approved for for that property. So you don't go over that first and foremost. But secondly, like, what are you comfortable with? So like if, if it's listed at 500,000 and you're going to do this escalation clause up to 550,000, are you one comfortable at that purchase price and qualified for it? And two, are you comfortable going that much over if you are also going to offer some sort of appraisal gap coverage, right? And it could be the full amount, it could be 5,000, it could be 10,000, anywhere in between. Um, and so just knowing up front what the, what the risk is. Um, but I like to tell my clients when they're, my buyer clients, when they're doing an escalation clause, if we do this escalation clause in a multiple offer situation, and we don't know, ex- we know what our max is, right? Usually you identify it in the clause, but you don't know what the next offer is going to be. So it could put you somewhere, like if you're going to do $1,000 over the next highest offer, it could be put you at 531, let's say. In that instance, the seller has to counter back at that purchase price so that you know that there was another offer, right? And then as a buyer, you have the right at that moment to be like, okay, before I sign this, am I, you know, it's like another, another like comfort point, right? Like, am I comfortable with this? Am I still confident at this price point? Whatever. And so when you do the escalation clause up front, I think it's just important to know like, what are my, what are my limits? What's the reality of it? And then to know that in order to engage the escalation clause, they have to do a counter anyways. So you're going to have you're going to know what that new purchase price is before you go officially under contract. I think for some buyers that's important because they're just, you know, they're scared competing against multiple offers, especially if they are agreeing to do some sort of appraisal gap coverage. I think it can be really scary if you have a huge like escalation clause amount where you could end up a hundred thousand dollars over, which we've seen before. Well, and you Um, hit a key. I mean, knowing what that max is from the beginning, mm -hmm. then it's our job to negotiate within that. Right. So we start off and we kind of like work backwards, but to your point, without knowing what those other offers are going to be, you deal with what you're comfortable with. And if we get beat out, we get beat out. But it's also when you say scary, it's also kind of like, you know, these buyers want this house so bad. I mean, I have clients who are like, I will literally like give up my left kidney. I'm just, I'm ready to just give it up. And it's like, okay, you only have one. So let's just stick with that. But at the same time, it's frustrating because we've now gone from, well, we have time. We can come in under asking. We can, you know, kind of negotiate what we want and have the ball in our court. Whereas now we do kind of need to get our minds wrapped around the fact that we are going to need to start to, to give a little bit and take a little bit. So um, I think, you know, you're going to hit on a couple points maybe that I haven't touched on that will help make that offer even more desirable to a seller. And then for a seller, you know, again, prioritizing what's going to be best for their situation. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's important to realize as your agent, we know what will win the offer. I can tell you what will win an offer, but you have to, at the end of the day, be comfortable with the terms of it. And so I always tell people, I'm like, first of all, the right offer always works out. We both know that. And two, you really can't do what you're not comfortable with. And it's like, if you're not comfortable with it, then it's not the right offer. And that's fine. Do what you're comfortable. I'll tell you how to win an offer, you know, but it may, but what it might take could be way out of your comfort zone and then it's not worth it. Um, and so I, I always tell buyers, you know, just do what you're comfortable. Let me tell you some, some options. You tell me what you're comfortable with and then we'll, you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, we're going to move on and find something else. But, um, I think, uh, you know, a few other pieces that are really important, especially in this market is, you know, using a local lender, um, especially a lender that's well known that has good relationships in the community because, we all want transparency and to be able to trust the people that we're working with in our transaction as, you know, as a seller, as a buyer, as a listing agent, as a buyer's agent, I think it's really important. And so working with a lender that is like, that you can, you know, 
you can trust, you know, gets the job done, you have experience with, has experience in the market specifically, I think is super huge. And so when a buyer sends in this pre-approval with this local lender who communicates great and calls the agent right away when they submit the offer and all that stuff, I think that makes a huge difference. And it just, it starts the transaction off like on this great note of like transparency with good communication and promptness. And that is, you know, not as common as we'd like to see in real estate. And so I think working with the local lender is huge. Um, And then also, and this is like such a touchy subject, I feel like with buyers, but either a quick or a waived inspection. And let me right off the bat clarify, you never not do an inspection. Waiving your right to object to an inspection does not mean you waive your right to do an inspection. Regardless of what your dates and deadlines are, you have the right in Colorado contracts to do an inspection always. And you should, you absolutely should do the most thorough inspection you can on any home, including a new build. But what you can do to make the seller feel a little better is you can limit your inspection objection to health and safety items. So, you know, bigger ticket items, or you can limit it to items that are going to cost more than $10,000 to repair. So only items that would be a big ask. Um, You can waive your right to object, which means you're going to do the inspection, but you're not going to ask for anything to be fixed, aka you're totally comfortable taking the house as is. Having said that, there are multiple facets to that as well. Like you could you could waive your right to object, but still keep your right to terminate, right? So you're either going to take the house as is or you're going to terminate. Or you could also waive your right to terminate, right? Which we've seen. And then, which I don't recommend, but we've seen it. And so now you're not going, you're going to do your inspection, but you're going to take the house as is and you're not going to be able to terminate without losing your earnest money, like we talked about, right? So you, you can always terminate, right? You can always not close, but you're just going to lose your earnest money. Um, and so we like to do inspections within the first week usually i would say a week to 10 days is very typical after going under contract but you can make it a little quicker right like if you go under contract on monday and you have your inspection done by thursday that way at least the seller knows okay if the buyer chooses to walk away after this at least i'm back on the market for the weekend you know so you can make it quick to make it a little more appealing for the seller to make it more convenient for them so they're not taking all this time off market if you decide to end up walking away um so i think that's something that makes it really really appealing And then, you know, finding out what the seller's motivation is, especially if they need a post-occupancy agreement, which is a rent-back situation. So if the seller, you know, now that the market is picking up again and they're having to also compete if they're purchasing a replacement property, giving them either the ability to rent back at low cost or no cost is super competitive if that's something that they need. If they Obviously, if they already have their replacement home and they're moving out of state or they're moving with family or whatever – it's maybe not as big of a negotiating piece, but for for people that need the time, um, that's what wins deals, right? Because they don't have to stress out about what the, what they're going to do when they get this. It's like, great, my house is sold, but now what? I'm homeless and I don't have a replacement property. And so it's really stressful, you know, for those clients. And so I think that just, you know, having the ability to offer the post-occupancy agreement and understanding what that means, right, for a buyer – it's relatively low risk to them financially because you're not going to have your mortgage for that first 30 days anyways. So you're not going to be paying for them to live there for that first 30 days. So if you can offer them a post-occupancy either for free or get some some money back for it, it's like, okay, well, that's like kind of no skin off your back. And it's a huge benefit to the seller who now has this time to um, you know, find a replacement home or move or whatever and not have to be out the day of closing. And so I think that that's a huge you know, negotiating piece for buyers to make their offers more competitive because it's like, okay, 
what basically you want to do, like when you write these offers is like, what can I do to make this offer the most appealing to the seller? And, and I always tell agents, I'm like, you need to have the comp, ask the listing agent, what, what does your seller need? Because it does you no good to offer this free rent back situation for 60 days to a client that has no interest in staying in the house a day after closing, you know? Um, and it has, if, if they don't care about the inspection, if they're willing to fix whatever comes back on it, then it does you no good to, you know, waive your inspection objection or limit it. You know, if, if they, all they care about is purchase price, focus on the escalation clause and the appraisal gap coverage, but you don't know unless you ask. And it's, I think it's wrong to assume because every seller situation is totally different and it could, what could be the, the main thing for them, you know, it, you could think it's a quick close. It might not be, you know, they may want 45 days, so they do have the more time or whatever. So I, I think it's just really important to remember. It's like, one, you don't know unless you ask. And there are a lot of agents out there that are really great about communicating their clients' needs, which is huge, right? So that, and then also, we're going to tell you how to win the offer, but you have to know what you're comfortable with and to be able to ask the questions and have the transparency and the conversations with your agent and your lender. It's like, okay, what, you know, what is going to, what's a winning offer here? What am I comfortable with? How can, how can we meet somewhere in the middle or whatever so I can still be competitive and, and end up with this home that I want. So. No. And those are all super good points. And I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, regardless of if we're in the market of multiple offers or not, you have to be comfortable with the decisions that you're making and what you're willing to offer. And the beauty to real estate is it's never black and white, <laughs> that the contract might be black and white, but all of the lines in between it are very gray. And so, you know, there's a way for your clients to always be in the driver's seat, regardless of if they're the buyer or the seller. Um, but, and you know, and regardless of the market, communication from an agent to another agent is what helps win deals. So 100%. if you, you know, you need to be comfortable with who, that's why we've talked about it so many times. Like you have to love who you choose to be a realtor because they're your biggest advocates, right? And they're the ones that are fighting for what's right for you, not necessarily as a lawyer and attorney, but to go, look, this is, this is how it works. I'm going to show you how to win an offer. And then we're going to just fit in those lines, what works for your situation. So if you guys have questions on how we can help you write the best offer um, as an agent, or if you are a client who's kind of been on the fence and you're like, you know what, I'm going to just deep dive right into this multiple offer situation, we are here to help. But feel free to like, comment, share, follow all the things on our podcast and on our YouTube channel. Um, and we look forward to talking to you guys soon. Thanks for joining us. Thanks.